Hello and welcome to another episode of Quick Tips and Tricks for Living with Pop. I am your host, Steph Thompson. And because we know you're busy, Mama, these are the episodes that are no frills, no music, and no editing. So let's go. Before we just kick in, I do want to do a very special dedication to a mama in our Brave Mama community because this very week she is going through exactly what we're going to be covering today. I just want to say to you, Mama, we are with you, we are thinking of you, and you've got this. All right, let's jump in. It's actually also perfect timing that we're sharing this quick tips episode in the month of November, because for the entire month of November, we are talking all things postnatal, prenatal, perinatal, all things transitioning to parenthood. And it is actually Perinatal Mental Health Week from the 8th to the 14th of November. It's an initiative from the Gidget Foundation that really is looking at breaking down the barriers and the taboos around talking about mental health. All right, so here we go. I would have to say that this question is the most asked question of me ever since releasing the book. I actually had a section in it in the frequently asked questions about it because even before the book came out, people were saying to me, okay, so you've got prolapse, you've had this really traumatic birth, how did you go on and have another baby then? And I know that probably more people want to ask, but the ones that do, bravo to you, I think that's really brave and I really don't mind sharing it because the same questions you have about it are the exact same questions we had about it before we had a second baby. So for me to be able to share this with you, it's my honor, okay? So the number one question is, how do you have another baby after having prolapse? So here we go. A little bit about the journey is that, yes, my first birth six years ago was very traumatic and left me with quite significant injuries including a three compartment pelvic organ prolapse. Now, I'll let people look into that a little bit further because now we're just talking about how to have a second baby. But basically, once I'd realized that the prolapse I have from the birth was not going to fix itself, no amount of physiotherapy, no amount of Kegels was ever going to make it go back to the way it was, I had to start looking in other avenues and that included surgery and it wasn't until we met with a surgeon i think uh, my little girl was probably around one ish i want to say one ish or coming up to one and he said to me all right so the type of prolapses you have he wasn't surprised that a pessary doesn't work but he did say you're you will be looking at surgery to be able to get back to some of your pre-baby like normal Steph type things and he then said to us well the only thing is there's a caveat and that is you have to be certain that you are not going to have any more children after that hmm that threw a spanner in the works because prior to him saying that to us we were what they call one and done so one traumatic birth one amazing baby that's still alive. We were just, we really just wanted mummy, mummy back, like Steph to return to normal so that she could actually be the mum that she wanted to be after a year of living this very 
uncertain and scary prolapse diagnosis journey. So after that appointment, when we were driving home, we started just having a very brief discussion about it going, well, yeah, we never really thought about that. I mean, I always wanted six kids when I was 26. I wanted a big family. But obviously after that first experience, I was really scared. I was like, oh, I can never do that again. And I didn't even know if my body could do it. So basically we picked up my little girl and as she was sitting there on the floor of her nanny's house, playing with some toys, it kind of hit me quite hard that I never considered her. So my husband and I were just so blessed. We were so fulfilled. We had this beautiful little girl. We were happy. Our family was complete, but I've never had the opportunity to stop and reflect and think, but what about her? What if she ever wanted a sibling? I mean, she wasn't even one years old. She couldn't tell us that, but I never thought of the long game. And so then that obviously started a whole different level of conversation with my husband about our girl. Like, well, what, what would she want? And both him and I have siblings. We love family. So the process went on a little bit, a little bit more. And I think we kind of got to the point where we had seen, you know, five surgeons and so many pelvic floor physios and so many opinions. And it was getting a bit overwhelming that we thought, well, no, what we do know is that we want mummy to be fixed and have surgery, but there's this window and we gave ourselves, it was October. So she was turning one. And we gave ourselves until the end of the year to say, all right, if it doesn't happen in the next three cycles by itself, then that's it. We're going to call it. We're going to move on mentally. We're going to be okay with whatever we were meant to have. And if that meant one baby, then awesome. What we also did do is ensure that we had all the information we needed to find out the questions we had, like, can you fall pregnant with prolapse? Can you carry a baby to full term with a prolapse? And the biggest question, how do you birth a baby living with prolapse? So these were all the things that we consulted with, obviously our surgeon and an obstetrician and a midwife and a doula and my psychologist. Pretty much I was, without even knowing it, building my A-team that I had in front of me to really ask lots and lots of questions about this before we even tried to fall pregnant. And I think that was important. I needed to know that I could do this before even giving it a go. So with all of that information, within two months, I was lucky enough to fall pregnant and without any intervention. So we obviously took that, it was meant to be a line of thinking, which I think a lot of people do. And then that was the easy part. Then I spent the next nine months worrying and being fearful and being scared about everything when it came to laboring this baby. And what we had to do, so here's one of the tips. And I think this is probably just something that happens when people experience trauma. So if you've had a traumatic experience, no matter where it was or what happened, I think you naturally tend to run in the opposite direction. And by that, I mean, if you've had a traumatic obstetric birth, you're probably going to be looking for a natural birth um, way, you know, vaginal birth or a hypnobirth or whatever. 
And then for us, we experienced the opposite where we had a really traumatic vaginal natural style birth. And so then I went straight towards obstetric because I didn't feel safe in that situation before and I didn't feel like I could do that again. So we did, this is one of our tips, we went obstetrician shopping and we met quite a few. We paid, you know, the ridiculous $250 plus each time we sat down and spoke to one until we found the right one. And when we found him, we knew that that was the person that was going to help me birth this baby. I think one of them had said to me even, oh, look, it's still really early days. Let's just see if the pregnancy even eventuates. Like, that's not your guy. That is not your person who you've just sat there and poured your heart out to saying, I've had a really traumatic birth. I'm going to need you to really hold my hand on this one. And then they say that. So you walk out and you never go back. And you have the power to do that, 100%. So when we did find our guy and he sat with us for two hours and we got to share all of our experience from the first birth and the trauma and how that this time I had it quite stuck in my head that I was needing a cesarean. Like, well, I felt like I failed vaginal birth the first time. So this time it just must be that I have to have a Caesar. And he took time to respond and said, well, Actually, Steph, having a second vaginal birth now, after what you've been through, it could actually be a lot easier this time because there is a lot of damage done to your pelvic floor. So in essence, the baby should be able to come through easier because there's not as much. Yeah, look, I don't know all the medical terms and I feel like I'm probably painting the wrong picture here. But basically he said, you absolutely can have a second vaginal birth. That surprised me and it took me a while to get my head around it, hence why lots of conversations with my psychologist, lots of conversations with friends who have then experienced cesareans and vaginal births because prior to that, I never even asked anyone how they birthed their baby besides not thinking it was my business, but I just thought one way. So in a nutshell, I then went to my obstetrician because obviously you see them regularly and I said to him one day Simon can you please just tell me what a Caesar is I think I know I've seen on TV they kind of just do a slice and the baby comes out and you can't drive for six weeks but that's the extent of my knowledge of a cesarean section and he's like okay so we then spent the next hour talking about what happens first what happens next what happens next etc And I can tell you by the end of that conversation, I was like, wow, it's not as easy as they make out, is it? It doesn't actually sound like it's the easy way out or it's the quick fix solution. And so I then said, all right, well, I think I'm not sure now. I want to go away and think about it. And I did. And then obviously talked to lots more people and talked to my husband a lot about it as well. And One thing I loved about my obstetrician, he said to me, look, if you feel like mentally you can't do this because it's triggering and you won't be okay mentally, I can do that for you. However, I recommend, I think you can birth vaginally. And why don't we just try it first? And if at any point you're not okay, or the baby's not okay, of course, 
then we can still do a cesarean. So to me, it felt like I had for the first time the power to make a proper informed decision about what I thought was going to be the best for me and be okay with whatever the outcome was. So in essence, even that process was really healing. It was really significant in going, oh, wow, this time I've actually got choices. That was really good to know. So basically, I was able to carry the baby for nine months. And it's funny because both the obstetrician and the surgeon had said to me, at some point during your pregnancy, you're probably going to feel a bit of relief from your POP symptoms because as your tummy expands out, everything that from underneath is naturally going to go upwards. And this was true. In that second trimester, there was a bit of relief from POP symptoms. And I, I can't remember how good that felt, but God, I do remember at the time going, wow, I just don't notice it as much, which was phenomenal. And obviously towards the end of the third trimester, I think you are overly uncomfortable in your body anyway. Add a one-year-old toddler on top of that, you're probably not feeling that great no matter what, prolapse or no prolapse. So it wasn't too bad. So then it came to the birthing time and I had obviously worked through those fears. I had I had been to a mother's circle with a doula and a lot of healing happened internally for me and a lot learning how to breathe and learning how to manage fear through breathing. So all of those really cool things that people teach you to be able to implement them for the first time and actually get it was really nice. And I remember walking in, I, I also elected to be induced. This is a tip for you because having that autonomy over, I was, I was just really fearful, right? And I'm pretty sure you understand this when you hear, when I picture it, I was really fearful that I was going to be at home with a one-year-old toddler and going to spontaneous labor without my husband home. And then all I could picture in my mind was my bladder and my vaginal wall that sit at the opening of my vagina, right? I, I pictured it like a plug, like a plug. And then if the baby then starts to descend and push on my plug, or the vaginal wall and bladder, that they would come out first and then the baby would come out. So I felt like I would have my bladder on the floor or, or, you know, like they're the things, the crazy thoughts that you think are going to happen to you. And so I didn't want that. I opted to be induced so that I knew that when this baby was coming for me, I was going to be in the right place with the right people. I was going to have my obstetrician there. He was going to support me and I was going to be okay. And that's exactly what happened. So we elected to be induced. We, I mean, I elected to be induced and went in on the morning. And it was actually something we were then excited about because as we're, we're, you know, driving into the hospital on that rainy, cold morning, when we got there and went into our birthing suite, it was like checking into a hotel and I, you know, the bed was laid out and they had the little singlet and nappy ready for when he was going to come out. And that to me was like, oh my God, they already love him the same as us. It was really beautiful. And so when I went to 
I, I, and I do actually want to say I'd already had a showing. So I'd already had shown signs that I was going, like the baby was getting prepared to be birthed anyway. So when we had gone in and the induction started, it started off, you know, just with waters breaking and things. And he, my obstetrician again, even during labor, gave me options, said, would you like us to leave you so you can actively move around the room and do what you need to do? Or you let me know if at any point you want to be induced, you know, with synthetic serotonin or what, you know, whatever they use. So we did. We did that for a few hours and we kind of went, okay. And then he came back and said, all right, so how are you feeling? And I'm like, I, I'm ready to have this baby now because I, I also knew uh, to avoid the trauma from the last experience, which was like 36 hours, I didn't want to be maternally fatigued to the point where I could no longer stand because I was too tired so after a good four hours I'm like no I'm ready I'm ready to birth this baby and as long as you can assure me that we're all good in what you give me then he's going to be okay so we did that and my obstetrician also taught me a trick that if if, if I was laying on my left hand side and that you could empty the bladder either with a catheter the bladder will simply flop out of the way of the opening and then the baby can come out. And I can share with you that's exactly what happened. I was, I feel lucky, but I also feel lucky knowing that someone had done this before. He had birthed babies for women living with prolapse. So knowing that this technique or this strategy, it works and it worked for us. And it was really like three hours of true labor and three pushes and there he was and he was on my chest and we got to lay there for an hour to just embrace this birth and for the first time we cried my husband and I just cried so much it probably looked sad but there were tears of joy that we had this experience that I think all parents think they're going to have the first time and when you've been through trauma and then you have that the answer is, can I have another baby with prolapse? For us, it was yes. It was 100% yes. And that birth really healed us. And it brought our family even more together and more stronger. And having the siblings has been an amazing experience for us. But in no way am I saying that you need to go and have another baby to heal yourself after prolapse. Absolutely not. You're coming here and you're listening to this episode because you were already having those thoughts. You were already thinking about having another baby. How it works out for you, I can't predict as well. I do want to be really clear about that. This is just sharing the tips and tricks on how I had another baby because I think if I didn't have to go and visit four obstetricians to find out and pay all that money, then that's great. And I think the tip here is that you could probably do a bit of a shortcut in that when you pick up the phone and want to make an appointment to see an obstetrician or a midwife or whoever, you can ask some of those qualifying questions first, like, has that person delivered babies for women with prolapse before? If yes, how many? Do you know? 
Do they know how many? Do you know what I mean? Like you can ask these questions and it's not even if they give you the answer. If you get the vibe straight away that, oh, oh, I don't know, or they don't want to tell you, then maybe they're not your team. Maybe they're not your A team. If you get someone who, who answers the phone and says, look, I'm not sure about that, but how about you come and have a chat with the obstetrician or midwife and then you can find out, then they're already open to that conversation. That's amazing. You want people who are going to be open to you being able to ask a limited amount of questions. I can tell you I had my obstetrician's mobile phone number on speed dial. Every time I had a niggling thought, every time I had a question for him, I would just text it. And when he could, he would reply. You know, obviously not in the middle of labor, but when he could reply to me, he would, or quite often, he would pick up the phone and say, oh yeah, I understand what you think about that, but I would probably do it like this. And we would have those conversations throughout the entire pregnancy. You want someone like that. You deserve to have someone like that. And they're out there because I found him and it was amazing for me. And I have found amazing doulas as well who supported me through that process just as much, even though they weren't there in the room on the day leading up to is just as important as the birthing day. So I hope these tips have been helpful. I haven't really pointed out tip one, tip two, tip three, like in past episodes, because I think the entire story and journey is the tip for you. However, if you are feeling like you have more questions and you would like to ask me, yes, do that. Please do that. Don't be left wondering. You can send me a DM at Brave Mama on Instagram. You can send me an email at stephanie at bravemama.com. Please reach out to me. I feel like I've got more to share, but this is supposed to be a quick tip and trick episode that's already going on a little bit longer than normal. So just to finish up, this week we are um, sharing with you a full episode with a nurse unit manager from a mums and bubs unit where I have stayed and I have experienced the support and that really ties in well with perinatal mental health week as well. We are also for the entire month really trying to support new families and for the entire month of November we have new parent care packs which has huggies, nappies, wipes, Madam Flavor deeply relaxing tea and also some booby bickies from Pinky McKay if people want to try those as well. So there's lots of details on social media on how to enter that or you can also just send me a DM and say I would really like that. We would love to support you any way we can. We will leave it there and until next time bye for now.